After what's been tough to watch from a pitching standpoint for the Boston Red Sox, they finally found their guy to take over the pitching staff in Andrew Bailey. But what can he really bring to the Red Sox organization? Find out on Locked On Red Sox. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Red Sox. Happy Friday. You've made it through another week. So props to you. Congratulations as a Red Sox fan. It probably was not the easiest week. Lots of twists and turns emotionally, but I'm here with another episode of Locked On Red Sox. Thank you for making the show your first listen of every day. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut, former ESPN social media associate and the current host of the Boston Balling Podcast. And I am here every day to bring you new Boston Red Sox content, even though so far this offseason has been relatively slow overall. The Red Sox haven't made a ton of moves to really improve the Major League roster yet. There's still plenty of time, though, people. So I am here to break down all of that with you today, including a special guest that I have with me on the show today who can hopefully help provide a little bit of more insight into something the Red Sox have made progress on this offseason. But first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Happy to always be here on your favorite podcast platform, bringing you a new episode of the show. As I've talked about so many times on here, pitching has been the biggest struggle for this Boston Red Sox team, particularly over the last few seasons. They haven't really had a true number one on their pitching staff in a while, and a lot of people were starting to question the development process of their pitchers. They let go of former pitching coach Dave Bush, which was a good move because there wasn't seeming to be a lot of improvement or upward trajectory from the pitchers that they did have. So they decided to bring in Andrew Bailey as the new pitching coach. He's a pitching guy, has experience as a player and also as a pitching coach. So he can hopefully provide some insight to these pitchers from the experience he has on both sides of the spectrum from that standpoint. But I wanted to welcome in Ben Kaspik, host of Locked On Giants, who is very familiar with Andrew Bailey and what he can accomplish as a pitching coach. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm like so many baseball fans kind of eagerly awaiting more activity uh, and and the Giants, of course, being one of those teams that may be very active. So, you know, very, very eagerly waiting. Winter meetings were kind of a dud. I know the Yankees got Soto, so that stinks for your listeners, I'm sure. But uh, I, I like we were saying off air, I dealt with it 
several years ago with the Dodgers getting Mookie Betts in a similar type of situation. So which Red Sox fans can, of course, also yeah. relate to and of feel course. bad about. So. Everything comes back to the Red Sox, really, it seems like. Yeah, I miss yeah. Mookie a lot. Uh, and especially now because the Red Sox made a trade with the Yankees. It was like the seventh time that they've made a trade with the Yankees and forever. It's kind of a crazy stat how little they make a trade with the Yankees as it should be. It's a little weird to me that they did, but they traded who was the leading piece in that Mookie Betts trade, which was Alex Verdugo. So that's been even more emotional for Red Sox fans now trying to say, well, the centerpiece in the Mookie Betts trade is now no longer here. So what did we really get out of the deal at the end of the day? Yeah, not much. All you got is making my life miserable and all my listeners. <laughs> we've got to deal with that guy all the time and he's good well so, i know you did mention held on to him yeah right <laughs> i know you did mention to me that your mom is from massachusetts so you do have some sort of red sox connection in your blood which i appreciate yeah yeah it, and and also cleveland guardian you know i've got some mixed heritage there but i grew up to be perfectly transparent, like pure giants, a hundred percent. But, um, you know, I was, I was around in 04, like kind of following that team and their miraculous comeback. And like, the, like everybody outside of New York was pulling for Boston. And that was amazing. Um, yeah, these are two historic franchises and hopefully one day, you know, they meet, I don't know if they've ever met in the world series, but it would be, that would be quite a, quite a matchup. And I'm glad with the new schedule, like every, Boston was in San Francisco this year. So it's always cool. What like now it means next year, the giants will be in Boston. And so I, that's, that's really great. Cause I, I plan on one day visiting and trying to watch giants in Fenway. I've never been there. So. Yeah. It's such a cool place. If you like history, it's a great ballpark for that. I know a lot of baseball fans just really appreciate visiting the ballpark just because of just, you know, how much history there really is there and the fact that it hasn't really changed. It's just always been the same Fenway that it's always been. And to think about all the players who have gone through that specific ballpark, it's just a really cool experience. So I highly recommend you uh, taking a trip there. I will, maybe this year, honestly. Yeah. I don't know when right? they go, but. But every other year now, it used to be like a you know super rare, and now it's going to be every other year. So that's yeah. Great. Did you like that with the schedule in the twenty twenty three that everybody played everybody? Because I saw mixed opinions on it early on, but I really liked it. I thought it was cool to get exposure to every team during the season. I think it, I thought immediately when I heard about it uh, being part of the new CBA CBA that it was great and. I love it because like of exactly what I just said, like every other year I'll have a chance, like say I can't make it out this year for whatever reason, the timing doesn't work. I get a chance every other year to go to any uh, American league ballpark and, and watch the giants play there and vice versa. You know, other teams get to come in and, and see San Francisco and, you know, you get to see players you don't see, uh, you know, like Otani and trout, you know, for example, as a National League fan, you know, I, I barely ever saw those guys play um, because I'm constantly watching Giants games and they're playing at the same time. And I don't know, just it's I think it's great for the game. Also, 
Giants play in a division with some pretty good teams, including the Dodgers, and so fewer intra-division games. I just think, it's, and it's not just about less games against the Dodgers. It's also about less games against like the Rockies and the Padres and the Diamondbacks. It's just you get a little sick of seeing those. I think it was just a little overkill with the same team. So much. it was like half the schedule basically was these four teams in your division, and I just thought that was too much. The one downside for me is the travel and it affects yep. like coastal teams more than the central teams because, you know, the Giants like I think it affects West Coast teams more because for the East Coast, the central teams are like closer generally than they are from the West to get to like Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and stuff. It's far, you know, it's a far trip by plane. Yeah. So it adds travel and it it kind of it makes this uh, what was already a grind of a season even more so for a lot of teams out west so that's the one drawback but and it's a it's a real drawback but otherwise i think it's great yeah i really enjoyed it i thought it was great to be able to see all these games and i know for me personally i'm eventually trying to get to every major league ballpark at some point so if i know the red sox are going somewhere and it's a ballpark I haven't seen that I really want to see. It's a good excuse to, you know, yeah. take a little trip, visit that city if I've never been there, and then check out some Red Sox games. So I really like it. I think it was a good move by Major League Baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I've I been to a lot of stadiums too, and like, but I haven't been to Fenway. And a big reason is because the Giants like were very, very rarely there. And now I probably will go because of this change. Yeah, exactly. And it's it gives people more of an incentive to go other places. And when you do go, if you do go to Fenway to watch the Giants play there, you will see your former guy, Andrew Bailey, at Fenway yeah. with the Boston Red Sox, um, you know, former pitching coach for the Giants. The Red Sox brought him in absolute necessity because their pitching staff has been an absolute mess the last few seasons. Um what I really wanted to get your perspective on is what did you like about Andrew Bailey during his time in San Francisco? Well, the truth is like he, he never like spoke publicly. So everything that I saw, it was like, I watched it on TV and, or I like read about it, you know, in terms of, it's not like he had press conferences or anything. Right. And so um, but what I do know is that when he came in and it was part of this big overhaul in the coaching staff, when Gabe Kapler came in, um, that they quickly, the giants developed a reputation for being one of the top teams in the league at like getting the most out of pitchers. And that, um, in terms of Bailey personally, like what I learned to see with him, like in terms of on the field kind of presence and all that was that he's just like he he really did have like um he's just like really really steady with with kind of he would go out there and 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 just kind of it's it's odd to say this but like it seemed like he knew what he was doing when he was going out there and talking to the pitchers and and like in between innings you would see him sitting down with the pitcher and often, you know, looking at an iPad or whatever, and just going over like kind of the metrics or whatever that are, that they're seeing on the pitches and, and trying to make like inning to inning adjustments. Um, and you look at a guy like Logan Webb, 
who is now one of the best pitchers in baseball. He wasn't that way when this new pitching regime kind of came in under Kapler. The thing is, it wasn't just Bailey. They had like three guys who were kind of uh, forming a team of 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 like a you know of the major league kind of pitching staff. One of the one of those guys was Andrew, uh, not Andrew Bailey, uh, Brian Bannister, who's since left for the White Sox. And another guy was Ethan Katz, who became the White Sox pitching coach after one year as the assistant pitching coach under Andrew Bailey. So. They had so many success stories, whether it was Logan Webb, who they like developed into what he, because if you look at his first couple seasons, they weren't good. And then he, they just kept insisting he can be really, really good. Like they knew it and it came true. And then you look at like the resurrection of a guy like Kevin Gosman, a guy you've seen probably a lot in, in the last couple of years. He wasn't like, that wasn't the type of pitcher he was before he came to San Francisco. And so they they had a lot of success like that, and Bailey was a big key cog in in helping to do that. Yeah, and it's definitely really promising. Just thinking of some of those names, pitchers who are really successful and are pitching a lot better now than they did before, and that tells me that he does something right, and he can actually get to these pitchers and figure out what it is about them that can really help elevate their game. Because that I think was the biggest problem before with the past, you know, coaching staff when it came to the pitching was more so I wasn't seeing a lot of upward improvement per se from a lot of the pitchers. And I almost wondered if they just didn't have the right guy in there that could really hone in on, okay, what can we do to help this pitcher to improve even more. And I'm hoping that's something that Bailey can come in and actually do. I think he will. I think he will, because he, like you said, he was a player himself. And so like, I think it's important that you're able to like players, you know, former players, he was a good closer, you know, for the A's and, and he played for the Red Sox, right. As mm -hmm. well. Um, and they, they just kind of instantly command some respect from other players. And so it's one thing to be just a guy with an iPad in a dugout telling pitchers what to do. But it's another thing to be like, I played this game. I know what it's like to be out there on that mound. But also to understand like the analytics and how to like apply it in a way that pitchers understand and also see the benefit of, you know, like they, they un like he was constantly like with every pitcher kind of in between every inning sitting next to them and they were going over stuff on the iPad. And it's, it wasn't like the pitchers were acting like, Oh, this is some tedious chore. Like they were into it. Like they're looking, they're like, they're both, they're interacting with, they're talking to each other and like pointing at stuff. And, and so he was, he was just on it, you know, con like 24 seven, he was just on it in terms of, how do we get the most out of you? Not just like behind the scenes, between starts, between appearances or whatever, but even in the game, like anytime they're off the field uh, in the, and in the dugout. And so I think he'll bring that to the Red Sox. I don't know about the rest of the staff. Like if they have, like they had a director of pitching in Brian Bannister and they had like assistant pitching coaches as well. 
but Bailey, I mean, he, he hadn't been a coach before, so he was a first time coach and he, he kind of proved that he was a good one and, and was pretty in demand. I think he also interviewed for the bench coach role for the Yankees this off season. So, you know, he became clearly an in-demand guy. And I think you got, you got a good one and, and it had a lot to do with, he wanted to be closer to family out on the East coast versus sticking around in San Francisco. I'm not sure anyone here would have been, you know, there was, Bob Melvin got brought in, but maybe they Giants wanted him back. I wouldn't, it wasn't like he was fired by the Giants. Like, I think he just, they just kind of allowed him to explore other opportunities and this was a better fit for him. Yeah. And especially with his familiarity with Boston, because he has experience at a player as a player, you know, playing at Fenway, understanding that environment, which can be a tough environment to play in. So I'm hoping this can be a fresh start for that pitching staff. And there's definitely some talented young arms in this pitching staff. And I'm curious to see what they gain from having him in there, because there's definitely some potential there with some of these guys. Yeah. And that reminds me of Logan Webb immediately when you say it. And it was just so fascinating to me, like how they insisted on there's like, it was mostly Kapler doing the talking, but I'm sure, you know, Bailey was a big part of those who were insisting this guy can be really good. And it's not like Logan Webb was a top prospect. They just knew that the tools were in there to for him to be really good and they just kept insisting on it and eventually it to- like in 2021 he started out a little rocky but then he just went on a dominant stretch for the last like four to five months of the season continued on into the NLDS against the Dodgers when he was just absolutely dominant and he's just been one of the better pitchers in the game ever since and like again he wasn't a top prospect so you know, being able to recognize talent that's even not shown up yet and then get it out of the players. Again, like Kevin Gosman as well, the tools were there and they helped him unlock it. And it's potentially a big loss for the Giants. So it's a, it's a big move for Boston, I think. Yeah, and they need big moves like that. And speaking of big moves... You mentioned it before, there haven't been a ton of big moves really yet, except, of course, my worst nightmare coming true is my division rival, my biggest rival actually acquiring, you know, one of the best hitters in baseball, no big deal, in Juan Soto. Um, But in general, not a lot of teams have made a lot of moves yet, and it could be due to a specific player whose market right now could directly affect either the Red Sox or the Giants, depending on what avenue he takes. And that's Shohei Otani. So next, I definitely want to get some input on his market and what it could mean for everybody else. If you really like sports betting, or even if you're just starting to get into it, FanDuel is the place for you. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
I've personally experienced my fiance go ham on FanDuel and he's won a ton of money doing it. So if you're looking to be in that same position, head to FanDuel today. You can make all kinds of bets and I promise you it will be worth it for you. Also, don't forget that you can subscribe to Locked On Sports today on YouTube because we have launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. It's so exciting. I highly encourage you to check it out. Nobody else has this. It's so many talented Locked On hosts keeping you updated on everything going on so you won't be disappointed. So make sure to download that app um, today, FanDuel, and subscribe to Locked On Sports today you will be happier and your life will be so much better. My life might not be better and Ben's life might not be better depending on where Shohei Otani decides to sign. He obviously is the market right now. He's the most desirable player out there. He is the guy who's going to probably move the needle for other teams. One of his teams of interest is the Dodgers. Sorry, Ben. And another team of interest is the Toronto Blue Jays, who are in my division. So this decision could heavily impact one of us because that's the amount of times we have to face him is amplified if he chooses to go to one of those respective teams. Um what are your thoughts on this situation? Because obviously he's probably the first domino to fall. Do you feel like once Otani makes his decision, then other teams like, you know, the Giants, the Red Sox, other teams who need to make moves are going to be starting to make some more moves once he makes that decision? I do think so, for sure. And especially, I think, the position player market will start to move more. I think that the pitching may still get held up by Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who we know is going to meet in person with teams. I think both of our teams are among those that he's, from what we've heard, going to meet with this upcoming week in person. And then we don't know the exact timeline for a decision, although there is a deadline in early January for him. But uh, for Otani, I think that, yeah, that's why the winter meetings outside of the Soto trade were so boring. I mean, uh, and I mean, as a red for Red Sox fans, I'm sure the Soto trade is not a, you know, wasn't boring, although it wasn't good, but, and I mean, as a Giants fan, Soto getting out of the division is actually, I feel good about that, of course, but yeah, that's a celebration um, for you. <laughs> yeah, Although, like you said, Otani's decision lurks and looms and he could very well end up in LA. I feel like it happens all the time where these uber talented players just end up in LA. I have made the, honestly, I mean, I don't know. I can't recall if I already said this, but I'm holding out hope and Giants fans are holding out hope that he signs here with the, with the San Francisco Giants. They were a finalist last time when he narrowed down to like seven teams or something from the initial, basically all 30 teams trying to get this guy. Uh, and, you know, there was no DH in the National League and he, he ended up choosing the Angels. And one of the reasons from what we understand was that he wanted ultimately to go to an American League team so he could DH. And now there is the DH. I know he wants to win. I know people say, well, of course, the Dodgers give him a better chance of consistently winning than the Giants. But 
it's not like the Giants have been terrible the last couple of years. They've just been mediocre. And he, like, especially when he's pitching and hitting, he moves the needle enough, I think, to make the Giants, like, you know, you know, you can add, like, 10 wins if from a peak Shohei Otani season. And they, they wouldn't be done. You know, they understand they have more to do. But but anyway, to answer your question, totally. I think the market is being held up by him. Like I feel like guys like Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman and those kind of guys probably won't you won't see them move until and and also I feel like an Otani decision is pretty imminent. Like it could be any day now. Yeah, I I've seen those reports saying that his decision will probably come by the end of this weekend. I'm not 100% convinced because I've seen so many different reports. I saw one saying he's not meeting with teams till after the winter meetings are over. And then we went from that to then it being by the end of this weekend. Um, I do think he probably has an idea by now of where he wants to go. Staying in California might make sense for him, though, ultimately, because it's familiar for him and it's something he's used to. So he knows the environment out there. Whereas if he were to sign with the Blue Jays, that's a big move to go from playing in California to playing in Canada. And I don't know that that's something that he would want to commit to doing. At least I'm hoping it doesn't happen because the Blue Jays as of right now are looking like the only team in the AL East that are actually legitimately in the sweepstakes for him. I had hopes for him coming to the Red Sox. There was a long period of time where it was being talked about that the Red Sox were a possibility for him. But then I think they took themselves out, basically saying he might not be a fit for what they need right now, which I get because pitching is the priority for them. And he's not going to be able to pitch in 2024. So then they're looking at, okay, well, we can give him all this money knowing he won't be able to pitch in 2024. And then when he does come back to pitch, is he going to be able to help us when we're trying to build a contending rotation right now to be able to get back to where we want to be? So they kind of took themselves out. It was a little deflating to me, but I'm not, I wouldn't rule out San Francisco. Me neither. And thank you for saying that. A lot of people do because, you know, and and the assumption is always the Dodgers, and it yeah it is. It doesn't. It's not that it irritates me. It's just that I see reasons why, like it. You know, I don't know for those of your listeners who are basketball fans. Like when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, right? It was like you're just you know you're just joining a team that's already really good. You're just like taking the easy road. And I don't see Otani as the kind of guy who wants to take the easy road. I think he wants a challenge. Think about the challenge of Oracle Park and the, the history of Barry Bonds at Oracle Park and what he was able to do there. And I don't know, that's, you know, partially wishful thinking on my part, of course. But at the same time, like, again, they were finalists for him last time around. The, uh, Buster Posey really made an impression on him last time around. And Buster Posey was like photographed. There was a reported meeting between the Giants and Otani on uh, Saturday of last weekend. And it, there was a photograph that got snapped of Giants president of baseball operations and Giants manager Bob Melvin and also Buster Posey, who's part of the ownership group now, and he's on the board of directors um, in really nice kind of clothing in, in like a parking lot leaving Oracle Park. And so the speculation is that they met with Otani that day 
and Otani has this like you could there's like a video clip of him just singing the praises of Buster Posey that's kind of circulating around on Giants Twitter right now and so like I just I definitely wouldn't rule out the Giants and and I definitely think that the Do- the Dodgers angle of just joining a team that's already so good and just like taking the easy road I don't know. Like he didn't take the easy road when he joined the Angels, right? He, no. It was like what the Angels. Yeah. I think yeah. what he wanted, like part of what he probably wanted, was to play with the current best player in the game, and to which was to, Mike Trout, to, yeah, exactly, and to like try to prove himself like up against that standard, and he did it. A mission accomplished, right? He overtook Trout and became the guy who's now considered the best player in the game. Uh, or at least certainly in that conversation. I mean, when he's not pitching, it's maybe a little different of a story. Certainly the most talented player in the game, but I don't know. And then if it really does come down to like Toronto and LA and San Francisco, you can see a path to to San Francisco for me, but you know, we're just all waiting to find out and hope. I mean, hopefully soon we find out giants fans. I will just point out, we are used to heartbreak. It happened last year, very much. So with the Aaron judge, like, Fiasco. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think the one-year anniversary of that was actually yesterday. It was yesterday, yeah. Yeah, I know. And, I mean, I was happy, and I was like, oh, yes, the Yankees are losing Aaron Judge. Let's go. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, no, he's no. staying in New York. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, come on. I know. Well, imagine um, us, you know, because the, the Giants have been star hunting for years, and they just can't land that big fish. That could be a game changer, though, because if you get a player like Otani on your team, other players are going to want to gravitate towards that team. Like other players in free agency are going to look at it and say, I want to play with Otani, so I want to go yes. there. And that's why I'm really praying he doesn't go to Toronto, because first of all, that means the Red Sox have to once again step their game up in terms of how aggressive they're going to be with the rest of this offseason, because then they're looking at having both Soto and Otani in the division, which is just so not ideal. Um, And they're looking at another opportunity for free agents to want to choose another team in their division instead of playing in Boston. Right. Right. And and that's a good, it's such a good point that the giants, if you have Otani, it's your job gets so much easier recruiting top talent because what player on this planet would not want to play with Shohei Otani? not a single one of them like they yeah, nobody. play with him and so and you know i gotta finish the heartbreak story of course there was also carlos correa and so we giants fans are used to just having their hearts ripped out um and so i think we're all expecting it again but i continue to like they are trying they are shopping at the top of the market they are like i wouldn't be surprised if they offered the most money here like they are desperate for this kind of move and so, yeah, we're all just, if he ends up on LA, man. <laughs> the I, other I, thing I, I will say though, too, is I thought that Otani wanted to keep these meetings private and both the Blue Jays and Dodgers have come out and said when they met with Otani and how they feel that the meetings went. And if that was a serious report about him wanting to keep them private, that could take those teams out of the running. And then you have teams like the Cubs and the Giants who haven't mentioned anything at all about meeting with Otani. So I know. 
I know I did like a whole episode two days ago about Dave Roberts just opening yeah. up his mouth for no apparent reason. And at first, my assumption, you know, I, I take the logical route and I go, he he wouldn't say that if he didn't know that it was OK. But then you had another report that he got a text message and his face like kind of turned from like joke, like happy to like very serious. And then he like huddled with PR staff and then their general manager was like, Dave made some comments and was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about Otani. And Andrew Friedman said the same thing. And they both said they were surprised by the comments. And so it's like, maybe he really is just that. Uh, maybe he really did just speak out a line there and who knows? Like, yeah, I hope so. It would be crazy if like something like just saying, yeah, we met with him and we love him, it, it like would actually turn his decision, but. You would take uh, that if it benefits your team. I'll though. take it. I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, let's hope that this decision happens quickly. Cause at this point, I just want to be able to move along with this off season and have other teams sign players. I mean, the Red Sox haven't said much about who they've met with, who they're really interested in, but I'd find it really hard to believe that they haven't met with a lot of the players that they are interested in. I just really think it's all now players are hesitant to commit anywhere until they see that Otani deal come out. And then I think more of these dominoes might start to fall where we'll hear a lot of names coming off the board pretty shortly after Otani signs probably. Yeah. I think it's going to be like floodgates, you know, because normally you see that at the winter meetings. I think this year it's just going to be after, you know, but absolutely. I, I feel like because you had Aaron Nola, you had Sonny Gray, you did have Eduardo Rodriguez yesterday as well. Um, Jamer Candelario, uh, but, you know, that's very little activity up to this point. And then some, you know, minor moves as well, but there's just all the top players are unsigned outside of like Nola and Sonny Gray and Eduardo Rodriguez. But, you know, position player wise, Candelario is like the one guy, but it's yeah. not a deep position player group, but I feel like Otani, like these, like Cody Bellinger and, and all these guys are waiting because the teams that don't get Otani and want offense, they turn their attention elsewhere. And that's, I think you'll see a lot of dominoes fall soon is my is my guess that's what i'm hoping and coming up we're gonna be just giving our expectations for both the red sox and the giants for 2024 what will their records be in the regular season in 2024 you're about to find out don't forget lockdown red sox is available every day on your favorite podcast platform for free and honestly who doesn't love free it's an easy no-brainer to just start your day off right with lockdown red sox part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day you can also catch me on twitter at gabby hurlbutt 10 and a lot of good discussions to be had there as well you can also follow the show twitter account on lo underscore red sox also discussions and connecting with other fans that way i always highly recommend it and also, don't forget to pull up YouTube on your phone as we speak and subscribe to Locked On Sports today. So many talented Locked On hosts will be on our 24-7 live streaming channel, so you don't have to miss out on anything, no matter what time of day it is. It is live 24-7 with the biggest sports stories and events, so you won't 
have to feel like you're out of the loop on anything. And when I wake up in the morning, I know for me, sometimes I always need to scroll through Twitter, try to catch up on what's happening to make sure I didn't miss anything big. So you now don't have to worry about that. So make sure that you head to YouTube and subscribe. It's very exciting for the Locked On Podcast Network as a whole. Ben, something that has been on a lot of fans' minds in general, has just been, you know, how is everything going to pan out in 2024? What teams are we going to see make surprise runs? What teams are expected to be there and will be there again? I mean, nobody expected the Diamondbacks to do what they did in 2023 and go all the way to the World Series. I was rooting for them. I think it would have been cool to see them win. I know you probably were not, but, you know, nobody expected them to really do what they were going to what they did do. And then they went out and started improving their team by signing Eduardo Rodriguez, like you mentioned. Um, But considering the fact that, you know, I think for both of our teams, they both have needs for this off season, things they have to adjust considering everything. What would you like the giants primary priority to be as we progress through the rest of this off season, say Otani, does go elsewhere, not wishing ill will on anything, but say he doesn't go to the Giants. What do you think is that biggest priority for them that they absolutely need to address going into the season? Well, I think they need star talent. And so it's it's not a great offseason for that if you do miss out on Otani, you know, uh, and a, some, you know, because the fans are disgruntled. I think both of our fan bases are very disgruntled about and and for similar reasons like there are a lot of parallels between these two teams with Heim Bloom and and what he did there and Farhan Zaidi and kind of the analytics and people getting grumpy about that and then having it not really work and both of our teams had like one good year under those uh you know people in charge with the Red Sox going to the, the ALCS one year right and the Giants winning 100 a franchise record 107 games that but, was wild <laughs> yeah, it was totally wild. And nobody saw that coming at all, at all. Yeah. People thought they'd be under 500 and they won 107 games. It was insane. That but, was that same uh, year that the Red Sox went to the ALCS and nobody expected yeah. that either. Right, right, totally. And um, so if you're looking for star talent, I mean, I think I think they pivot, honestly, to Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And, um, and I don't know about pivot. Like I, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they tried to sign both guys. Like that's how, that's the position they're in financially with like almost no long-term commitments outside of Logan Webb. Like nobody is signed for 2026, seven or eight and beyond. And very few commitments in 2025 even. Uh, and so they, they're in a position where they, they very well could do the, do that. They could sign both of those guys if they wanted to and, and were able to. But the problem is, like, a pitcher is not the same as a position player, and hitting was a big problem in 2023 and really in 2022. Um, so it, it might be harder to address that uh, because the position player group is not that good this winter you've got Cody Bellinger but there are question marks about just you know some of the underlying metrics weren't as good as the actual results for him this year uh and then if you look at the last couple years before this year they were so bad that he got non-tendered by the Dodgers and the Dodgers being a team that 
doesn't usually give up on a guy who has that kind of potential. And so it, it, it signaled their lack of belief in his ability to get back to his old ways. And he did, but there's still like, it depends on what the cost is, but you could end up with a guy who's not very good and, and you're committing a huge amount of money to him. And then there's like, so they need, they need to do it. They need to do a lot. And, but for fan interest reasons, like they need to get someone who gets people excited. And I think Yamamoto would do that, but as a pitcher, it's harder just because they're just simply not out there every day. And who's it's not the like he's Juan Soto. <laughs> right. Who's the marquee player in the Giants lineup to watch? I mean, Can't think of one. Be- there, there isn't, isn't really like anybody that is like standing out to me. Exactly. You know, and with, even with even with the Red Sox, you do you have some guys, even though some guys, you know, Betts has left and Bogarts has left, but you've got Devers and you've got. Um, uh, I mean, Trevor Story, but he never plays because he's always injured. But <laughs> wait, who? Oh, Trevor Story. Trevor Story right? yeah. had a breakout year, and and um, the the Japanese left fielder. I'm always blanking. Yoshida. Yeah, he's had a really great start, but I guess didn't finish as well. But anyway, the Giants, they just need they need some impact and some players players who make an impact on the field, but also resonate with the fans. They need yeah, that. I mean, that's a big thing for the Red Sox, too. At this point, it's are you willing to commit to winning or not? Are you willing to spend money or not? Because I think the biggest frustration has been it seems like the Red Sox – have not been willing to show that they will throw big money at players. And the Red Sox organization historically has never been known to operate like that. They've always been a team that was in on those big players and would be willing to spend the money to get those players. And to me, I'm looking at it as Yamamoto's basically a must do um, because they have not had a true ace caliber pitcher in their rotation in a while and he's somebody who could provide that value and it would send a message to fans that they're actually serious about wanting to contend again and they're not just saying that because they've been saying a lot of things like yeah we really want to get back to where we were we don't want to finish in last place again it's one thing to say that but another to actually make the moves to make that happen so they need to be eyeing players like that and Yamamoto somebody if I'm the Red Sox that I'm not caring how much it is. I'm throwing the money out there that we all know they have and hoping that maybe it works out. I mean, he and T- and, and um, Yoshida used to be teammates, so maybe that might help draw him towards Boston. But this is an offseason where they have to really go out there and spend big on pitching because it's been a long time since they've actually done that. And I think that will start to restore the trust level of the fan base. Yeah. Our teams are in such similar situations, I would say. It's kind of crazy. And for the Giants, it's less about pitching, more about hitting. And for the Giants, they really have tried to spend the money. So that that may be a difference as well. Whereas for the for the Red Sox under Bloom, it did seem like I mean, like the Bogarts situation where they were offering him just so much less than what he got. Oh my gosh, yeah, they mishandled that so badly. I know. Yeah, and but for the Giants, it's kind of been the opposite. But people don't care. It's in the same like they don't they don't they're tired of hearing we tried. It's been yeah. like that forever. Like it's basically, like, no, do not just try. Like yeah, you just get, get it done. Somebody. And the thing is they got it done with Correa. Like they had a deal, and then it was like just a nightmare 
situation that you just don't see almost ever where, I mean, uh, when's I'm not, I don't think it's ever happened where you've had a contract nearly that size that was like reported on as agreed to that fell apart due to a failed physical the day before. And actually they canceled the press conference that to introduce him the day of the press conference. And then later that night, a report he signed with the Mets. It was just a nightmare. It was just an absolute nightmare. And then of course they were kind of vindicated when that fell apart as well over the same concern about his leg. But it's just like Giants fans have been living a nightmare in this regard. And they just need that. They desperately need that to end. And that's why, like when you say, oh, if they don't get Otani, it's almost like they, you just have to go get Otani. I don't care. Like you said with Yamamoto, it's the same. That's how I feel about the Giants with Otani. Just, I don't care what it costs. Just, and I feel like they're kind of in that same position, but ultimately he's going to go where he wants to go and he'll be compensated for it. And so it's kind of out of your hands, but I do feel like they're going to do everything they can to try to get him. As they should. And I think your fan base will be very disappointed if he chooses elsewhere and it comes back and there's a report saying that they didn't try as hard as you would have wanted them to. Cause I can't be mad. And I said this about Yamamoto too, with the Red Sox, I can't be mad if they genuinely put in the effort and they try and he chooses elsewhere because he feels like there's a better culture fit somewhere else that's out of their control. But if I find that he went somewhere else because the price that they offered wasn't good enough, like that to me is unacceptable. You, Mm -hmm. you write the check out and you are willing to, throw whatever money it takes at a player like that. Because when you need somebody like that, it doesn't really matter how much money it is. Absolutely. And he's 25 years old. I mean, those guys don't come around very often. And so he's in high demand. You know, there's a lot of teams after this guy. So it's going to be fascinating to see where Otani and Yamamoto, like those are the two guys for me where I just like, I do not know where they're going to go. I know they're going to get paid a lot of money for it. And both of our teams are, I mean, involved in at least one of those players. I think the Giants are involved in both. And there was actually a report by Susan Slusser, who's a really good local journalist here, that two rival teams, she had heard from people with two rival teams that had been interested in Yamamoto, which tells me they probably had initial conversations and then were not teams that moved on to like the finalist round or whatever two different teams told her that they believed the giants had the edge with yamamoto and so i don't know how they would know that but that's what they said and so we'll see uh i'll believe it when i see it and yeah yeah Yeah, that's really what it is like we can choose to believe whatever reports we want but it's really at the end of the day something needs to just happen. And I just hope and pray that neither of those players go to a team that wears Navy pinstripes and plays in the Bronx, because that would absolutely just be my absolute worst nightmare times two after the Juan Soto thing. Right. (laughs) And same with Otani in LA. I mean, I just can't, I don't know. I just, I might just, I just can't even go there. (laughs) Because I, I have to keep, I have to keep hating players that I once liked. I know that's what I hate. I like I like Juan Soto as a player, and now I have to hate him because he's a Yankee. You hate him now. 
and you're going to see him all the time and hate him and be like, I'm sick of your little shuffle dance thing. And yeah, because yeah, I mean, he was in the, he was on the Padres. Yeah, I, I, there was no reason was for me gross. to not like him then, you know? Yeah. Right. And now I mean, for me, I had to, you know, yeah. these, the Padres and the Dodgers have just, while the Giants have failed to get stars, the Padres and the Dodgers have had nothing but stars. Hasn't necessarily worked out all the time. The Padres had like an utterly disappointing season, but nonetheless, it's like you're looking at Machado and Soto and Tatis and Betts and Freeman and, and you're, and then you're looking at the Giants and it's like Mike Yastrzemski, uh, you know, J.D. Davis, it's just like not the same. And no yeah. offense to Mike Yastrzemski, and, and obviously there's a cool story there with Boston, but, you know, it's just not the same. And they just need they need some of, the, some of that type of talent desperately. Absolutely. And let's hope that both of our teams make those kinds of moves, make that big splash in this upcoming next couple weeks once some of these dominoes start to fall. But Ben, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you here. And I am wishing you the best of luck as this free agency progresses and hopefully your team makes the moves they need to make. Thank you. And vice versa. It was a pleasure. And look, uh, we, how about this? We'll agree to the giants can get Otani and the Red Sox can get Yamamoto. And that's what I hope for. We'll yeah, I think that's a totally fair compromise, and that kind of satisfies needs for everybody. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, perfect. Done. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Everyone, as always, Lockdown Red Sox, Monday through Friday. Have a great weekend, and I will catch you next time.